0: Our epistle lesson this day is from Romans chapter 14, and it is the main basis for our sermon today. Paul writes, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains, and let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats." The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for today's message is the text from Romans for the most part, but I'm going to introduce just a little bit of the Old Testament and the Gospel as well. Well, differences. You see them all around you, don't you? Every day seems somewhat the same, but yet a little different every commute to the office to the grocery store the post office it all seems so familiar but every situation is just a little bit different we live not only in this community called Obito Florida but we live in this community we call the church the church is a community that is intended by our Lord to be a joyful expression of unity A place where the kingdom of God, a sort of world put right outpost, exists in this small corner of a fallen and broken world. Yet there are differences here, aren't there? And that is to be expected. For Paul has actually prepared us to hear this very thing today. For back in chapter 12, he explained to us that we are all different parts of the body, We all have differing gifts, whether it be prophecy or teaching or exhortation or generosity, leading, or mercy. These gifts are all given for the unity and the good of the body. And since we all have different roles and different responsibilities, it is absolutely normal that our individual lives will look similar but be different. For along with our differing roles and responsibilities, guess what? We all come with different backgrounds. We were each raised in different households. We had different traditions and different histories. There isn't one of us that is exactly like another, even if we grew up in the church. And thanks be to God for this. For to execute these differing roles and responsibilities the Lord has given us, we have different abilities and different gifts And as our Old Testament lesson shows us, we even have a God who can use our different histories to serve his people. So how has God ordered your life with the people around you? And I'm not speaking about your banker or your lawyer or anyone else that serves you from picking up the trash to administering the schools and the community. No, I'm speaking about the people that are surrounding you today, right now, that complement your role within the body of Christ. The brothers and sisters that surround you, that love you. How has God brought their talents and skills to benefit your faith, to both serve you and serve with you? Undoubtedly, you've had pastors and Sunday school teachers and others that have nurtured your faith and even helped you in times of trouble and maybe even served with you in many different capacities. But it is also my hope that you find that the different gifts and abilities of those around you actually complement your own abilities and bring a variety of care to the body of Christ. If you have seen this, then you should praise God. So we're going to look a little bit at the hallmarks of the church today that we share in this body of christ but given the span of christendom today we are going to limit ourselves to our synod so what is it that we teach and confess about our unity well article 7 of the augsburg confession gives it very succinctly it says the church is a congregation of saints in which the gospel is rightly taught and the sacraments are rightly administered. And to the true unity of the church, it is enough to agree concerning the doctrine of the gospel and the administration of the sacraments. Nor is it necessary that human traditions, that is, rites or ceremonies instituted by men should be everywhere alike. As St. Paul says, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all from Ephesians chapter 4. One faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. We are of one body because Jesus unifies us in his body. But yes, there will be differences. And that is what St. Paul is addressing in our text today. The Christian church at the time in Rome was composed of Jew and Gentile. They are members of one body and of each other, but in some ways, wow, they see each other so differently. Sometimes it's as if it is night and day. Paul uses the example of food and drink and holy days, and that's not all that surprising because the Jews come from a background of clean and unclean foods. Their history and background is going to delay their coming to understand that all foods are now acceptable for consumption. The Gentiles are already eating everything, so that's not an issue for them. But even if the Jews come to understand this, they are going to need time to adjust to their newfound Christian freedom to eat anything. And it wouldn't be too surprising to us to understand or learn that some might never adjust. This is why Paul tells the church to not look down on those that abstain from certain foods. For what they are doing is honoring God according to restriction they still see in place. For the Jew, this might still be a matter of conscience. If your brother or sister in Christ is honoring God by staying true to their conscience, you are not to be their judge For these matters of opinion are things that are not going to condemn our brother or sister to hell, which means that this is not to say that we are to leave our brother or sister in Christ in blatant sin or repeating heresy as if it is truth, but rather Paul is telling us to not pass judgment on things that are not forbidden by Scripture. Clearly, within the body of Christ, there is room for different ways to worship, study scripture, and honor God with our lives. And likewise, the Gentiles have an issue the Jews can help with. The Gentiles know little about this weekly pause of labor for man to take his rest. The Jewish faith has a weekly celebration of the Sabbath, a holy day. And true, the Jews will have to also adjust to the words of Jesus who stated the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. But it will require the church to work together on this one. The Jews will come to learn that the Sabbath no longer has to be on Saturday and the Gentiles will learn what a holy day is. A day set aside for the rest of man and a time when the Lord comes and he cares for his people with word and sacrament. The church will respond together in unity as they establish a new Sabbath, and it will be the first day of the week, the day of the resurrection of our Lord. And for the most part, here we are today, thanks be to God, in unity. So what other practices are different amongst us? Well, there is the obvious, isn't there? As I speak, there is another part of our congregation that is worshiping in another building with a different style of music. The liturgy and the major parts thereof are still present in that worship, but the music and the words of that music have changed. But more than this, what did you experience this morning as we opened up our worship? Well, sure, there was an opening greeting by me, but there was also something else that was new. We took time to just take a moment and to greet one another. Now, for some of you, I know that brought you great joy. It actually helped you to experience joy in worship. But for some of you, it might have come at a great cost. It came with great discomfort. For you have been raised to come to worship reverently, to be quiet, to prepare yourself to worship the Lord. And these are both good and wonderful things that we do to honor our God in conscience. This is a beautiful example of what Paul is speaking about today. As we greeted one another, did you greet someone who obviously wanted to greet you? Or did you perhaps force another person to greet you even though it looked like they really didn't want to? You can see now that perhaps there are some who are not comfortable with that idea. Some are comfortable and at great ease, and some are now beginning worship grinding their teeth. It's great for some. It's not so great for others. For those who are upset, I can imagine it is affecting their singing. It is affecting the prayers. It is affecting hearing God's word. At the very least, they were probably very distracted. It messed with their confession. If that is happening to you, it is my prayer that the Holy Spirit would help calm your heart and your mind as you see that your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, well, there are some of them where that just brings them such great joy. And for those who have that great joy, can you please see the conscience in the heart of another who might not share that and give them space? Let them dwell in peace. You see, it is not our desire to harm anyone, but it is rather our desire to increase your joy in worship by starting off with a friendly face and to bring you closer together as the body of Christ. There is no intent to divide us, but to go forward together in community, for division does us no good. Look, disagreements are inevitable. But God's word today prohibits us from judging and despising others. We are to receive each other, even the weak in faith. For God has received them to himself through Jesus, and he alone is their judge. This means that each and every one of us is going to have to do some hard things. It means welcoming those who are criticizing us and receiving those we disagree with. We are to be the church, the body of Christ. So we're going to pause, and we're going to look at some of the hallmarks of the church. And the first is fellowship. That is what was going on before worship and what will go on after worship. In fact, we do fellowship in worship. It's part and parcel of our life together. But secondly, there is love. And and Paul has already told us in the previous weeks to love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the love, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law, he says. He parents Jesus, who has commanded his disciples to love one another as he has loved them. For by this, he says, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love can be hard sometimes, can it? So thankfully, the last hallmark of our life together, besides the proclamation of the gospel, is to be immersed in forgiveness. You heard the gospel lesson for today, the parable of the servant who was forgiven much and then forgave not at all. Wow, the law was very prevalent in that parable. But so is the gospel. Consider this. The servant who was forgiven some two hundred thousand years of wages knew what it was like to have the relief of a debt that he could never pay. Daniel Pavala in his book, Flowing from the Cross, describes God's forgiveness this way. Consider God's forgiveness as a flood that engulfs your home and fills it with water. Everywhere you turn, there is water. Things are floating in your basement and it is full. And then imagine your neighbor comes to you asking for that glass of water, forgiveness. It is everywhere for you to share. In Christ, you have enough to spare and share with everyone. This week, Professor David Schmidt at Concordia Seminary posited this thought. What if we lived a life together where we actually sat and told each other stories regarding how we have been forgiven? our lives would be transparent with one another. We would garner a greater understanding and appreciation for the forgiveness of our sins. We would, in turn, readily forgive one another. Now, I know that thought scares you. When I first heard it, it scared me. But pause for a moment. Pause your fear and just think about that wouldn't that also bring you such great relief? There would be no more facades. A new facet of fellowship would actually burst forth amongst us as we saw each other now as forgiven sinners rather than competitors in the kingdom of God. We would see anew how God has been at work in saving his people. And it would make it so much easier to receive the weak in faith, the ones that Jesus has already received. You see, Jesus was the weak one. Jesus is the one who gave up the glory of heaven and the throne, and he came down to become man. He was the one who was despised and rejected and killed for our sins. He has bought and paid for the forgiveness of our sins with His holy and His precious blood. And He now floods our lives with forgiveness to cover all of our sin. And there is so much more to spare. But more than that, yes, there's more. He is the one who's been raised from the grave, giving us not only the forgiveness of our sins, but also that sure and certain hope of an everlasting life to come. So you might as well just give in and love and forgive one another because you're going to be with each other for a very long time. You see, it is Jesus who enables us to live as the body. It is Jesus who propels us forward both in mission and in fellowship and in forgiveness and in love. The call to the servant who was forgiven much was a call to revel in the flood of forgiveness that he received and to live in it by sharing it with others. Remember, the objective of awakening hearts is to live a life together, that robust and joyful expression of unity as the kingdom of God, that little glimpse of the world put right, right here in the community of Oviedo, Florida. You are being called to share the flood of His forgiveness starting with our life together where we share his love and forgiveness that we have received with one another so this brings us to that weekly awakening question the things that your pastors struggle with as we try to make it short but all-encompassing so here's what we'd like you to ponder this week I'll, i'll repeat it twice How can you pursue peace within your church community more actively? How can you pursue peace within your church community more actively? Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.